0: Welcome to Spurs Cast, episode 644. My name is Paul Garcia and I am your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Colin Reed. In this episode, Colin and I will discuss the Spurs in the last six games, what sample size should be used to evaluate the team, and DeJounte Murray's all-star chances. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode with Colin. Colin, you haven't been on the Spurs Cast since since October. How have you been? I've been doing really well. I've been doing well. It's been uh, kind of an
1: up-and-down season. Um, A lot of changes in my personal life. We were talking about that before the show. I got married, so I kind of had to take a break from some of this stuff. But happy and excited to jump back
0: in and get talking about some Spurs stuff. Like I told you off the air, you know, congratulations. We're really happy for you. Um, the, the whole team at Project Spurs. Um, and then yeah, I mean, yeah, this, this kind of let's just jump right into where this team stands right now. It's just all over the place with, with just everything that's going on. I mean, not just and uh, not just with the Spurs, but all the teams in the NBA right now. So, uh, Spurs cast listeners, me, Colin, and I are recording this on a Thursday evening, January thirteenth. Um, let's begin with going over the last six games because that is the last time uh, before I recorded a Spurs cast. So the Spurs did go 1-5 in five in the last um, six games. If you've been watching the team, you know that they've just had a lot of uh, um, instability because of the COVID situation with the team where multiple players, rotation players, got placed into health and safety protocols. So let's go back to last Tuesday, Colin. The Spurs are on the road at Toronto, no fans in the building in Canada, and they lose pretty pretty rough here. They lose by 25 points. Um, DeJounte Murray was still out at this point in in health and safety protocols. The Raptors were favored by seven, so basically Toronto took care of business. Then the next night, the Spurs had a really big win. They go on the road to Boston on a Wednesday, and they pick up a two-point win. It was a very close game throughout. Both teams battled back and forth. Dejounte Murray made his return. He played excellent in that game. Boston was favored by seven and a half, but no, it was the Spurs who pulled out uh, that really good win. And at this point, the players were all saying, "You know, this is this is like this looked like this seemed like the team was about to turn the tide here," but then. We get news that, you know, multiple rotation players go get got placed into health and safety protocols. Derek White, Devin Vassell, Calden Johnson, um, Thaddeus Young, Trey Jones. And so just like, you know, that's a lot of those players right there are, are some of their key um, rotation players. And so the, um, on Friday night last week, uh, they're on the road in Philly. They lose by 19. Um, Philly's favored by by 8.5, so kind of Philly just took care of business. Then this past Sunday, the Spurs, you know, had a pretty good game against the Brooklyn Nets. Again, missing multiple rotation players. They lost to the Nets in overtime by 2. Brooklyn was favored by 10.5. They had James Harden. They had Kevin Durant, Patty Mills, everyone uh, except for Kyrie Irving. And, and And the Spurs only lost by 2, and they forced overtime again with multiple rotation players out. Then on Monday, the Spurs uh, were on the second night of a back-to-back. They go to New York to play the Knicks. Uh, and they do they do lose to the, the Knicks here by 15 points. Um, the Knicks were favored by 6.5. And, and then the most recent game was one that's a pretty bad loss for the Spurs. They got back um, Kelden Johnson Devin Vassell from Health and Safety Protocols. And uh, uh, how and they were and they were playing the Houston Rockets, hosting uh, the Rockets in San Antonio. The Spurs f- finished a seven-game road trip, and the Spurs ended up losing this game by four. It was a close one, but the Spurs were favored big in this one by seven and a half. The Rockets just shot um really well from three. They they really attacked the paint shot. I think seventy-seven percent of the paint against the Spurs' defense. So, um, what are what are your thoughts on these last um six games? You know, I, I think kind of
1: what you're saying for the, those first five games, especially on the road with all the health and protocol, health and safety protocol stuff. Um, It really is up in the air in terms of, like, how could they win any of these games? That Boston game, you know, uh, looking even at the sheet that you have here and just saying, oh, hey, that Boston game was when Murray returned and that Philly game was when the next set of guys were out. So you have that, like, one game sample where you have this overlap Mm -hmm. of, like, a lot of the Spurs core actually playing And they happened to win that game. And I I don't know if that necessarily means like, oh, hey, if everyone is there, they're this amazing team that should win more than they lose. But I I do think that that's indicative of something, that when they had their core there, they were actually um, able to win a game, especially against an opponent who's had a struggle of a season but is trying to turn it around themselves. I do think that the Houston loss is a bad one. Mm -hmm. I was... um, keeping track of kind of their score by quarter. And in the third quarter, I think, with over six minutes left to go, they had about 14 points. And then I think they ended the third quarter with only 21 or 22 points. So they had this six-minute drought where they failed to really score at all. And um, I think that that was kind of a big turning point where during that time they weren't really scoring, but their defense wasn't stopping Houston either. And Mm. then you kind of had a similar situation at the end of the game where all of a sudden – uh, their shot-making was pretty crazy. They were making these threes to stay in it, to make it back yeah. a little bit, but they couldn't stop Houston on the defensive end. And yeah. that inability to get a stop was really keeping them from pulling back into the game or pulling ahead in the last couple minutes. So for a while there, they couldn't hit anything. And then finally, when they could, they couldn't get a stop. And, and it's just kind of embarrassing for them, I think, against the 15th, team in the West, 15th ranked team in the Western Conference. Um, that definitely was... A winnable game, especially when they're trying to get to that magic 26 number for Pop. But yeah, it, I, I think like you're saying, though, one in five is, is what the kind of like if we we're just going by Vegas Oddmakers wins or losses, that's what they were expected to do. And that's what they did. So, um, you know, the first game back from protocol for a lot of the guys, and hopefully they'll be getting even more guys back in a bit. And I think it might take a game or two for people to get reintegrated. So hopefully we see kind of. The Spurs that we did before all of this craziness started back up, um, starting in about a week or so.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. So just like you said, you know, they were they, they weren't expected to win these games. They were supposed to go one and five, and they ended up doing it. The only the only they could have basically. Um, done better than this had they beat Houston because they you know th- that basically that that Boston win got canceled out by the loss to Houston so they could end up going two, and, uh, two and four. Um, so on the season you know right now they are fifteen and twenty six through the basically at the midway point they're, they're they've now completed forty one games. You know despite all this you know losing you know losing five games like I said in the last six they actually haven't moved too far because the rest of the West is also bad you know and everybody's just dealing with injuries and players and health and safety protocols in and out so so they only dropped from last uh, last uh, the last first cast from eleventh out West to now twelfth. They're just barely in 12th. Um, they're still very close to that play-in game. They're only one and a half right now behind Portland, uh, who who is currently in 10th out west. But because of these all these losses, they have fallen a little bit from like the ninth place on, so they've kind of taken a, a bit, bit of a dip there in, in being close to competing for like that ninth, like like seed, you know, in, in that range. Um, you know, again, because even though they've lost all these games, they really haven't improved their, their lottery chances because other teams bef- um, uh, ahead of them in the lottery have been doing uh, pretty bad as well. So they're, they're only they only they only have the seventh worst record. Uh, um, so so that's, a, that's about a 34% chance of the top four pick or an 8% chance of number one. So again, their lottery odds really haven't improved even the, despite all this losing lately. Um, we've seen a hit, again, because a lot of players have been out on their offense where they were 11th last time we recorded, they've dropped to 16th. And then also on defense they were at 16th the league average defense and they moved all the way down to 20th um you know like, like we mentioned Colin and I that uh you know a lot multiple rotation players are back now they've been through health and safety protocols and this is in DeJounte Murray Lonnie Walker the fourth Kelden Johnson Devin Vassell uh Doug McDermott has missed seven games in a row being seven uh, being in health and safety protocols however the Spurs released their injury report on Thursday evening and he was not listed on there so we're assuming that Doug McDermott will finally return to the team uh, Derek White is also close to returning because he's now listed as questionable uh, to play Friday against the Cavs. So, so basically, they're going to get a lot of the rotation players back, um, you know, from health and safety protocols and the only player left in health and safety protocols from the rotation right now is Trey Jones he's still listed as out for Friday um, and this is something the players mentioned uh, I think it was Brent Forbes or someone mentioned that basically in a way you know it stinks that they got COVID but or got placed in protocols but at least they're getting through it now and they're hoping that it doesn't you know happen again throughout this the rest of the season so basically they've kind of gone through this rough period of everybody you know most of their guys getting placed in, in protocols but now they should have the majority of their team uh, for the rest of the season you know uh, you know as long as they avoid any other kind of injuries uh, and then some other just team news um, you know Know, that wasn't too major here. The Spurs, because they were missing so many players, they had to sign uh, some players to the hardship exception. So they signed Tyler Johnson and Anthony Lamb to ten-day deals. But I don't think they're going to re-sign those players because their deals do expire on Saturday. And as we saw now that everybody's back, they're probably going to get DNPs those players unless it's a blowout So, uh, Colin, did you have any questions? or I mean, any comments on, on that? On any of those um those uh, facts right there or, or stats So not not too much.
1: I think other than if I'm doing my math right. Um, so if the fans out there who are team tanking, um, the Spurs are only a game and a half out of the four seed in the lottery. (laughs) If, if you want to look at it kind of in that backwards way, um, But I think that their best chance to slip back there was during this COVID time, and I do think, even though I don't know if they're a playoff team or even a play-in team, I do think they're they're too good to fall into that top four lottery spot if everyone is available and healthy. So, you know, they they actually kind of cut it a little bit close. You know, Houston is the 15th-ranked team in the West, and they have 12 wins now, and the Spurs have 15. So Mm -hmm. they're, I think four games ahead because houston has five more losses so you know it actually is kind of getting a little bit close to them being in a really good lottery spot but i think now that everyone is back and healthy i I think they're going to be too good to kind of fall back into that range and i think they're probably going to hover around from here to 10th kind of the rest of the season so uh, other than that you know they they kind of got within uh shooting distance of a really good lottery odds there but i think now that everyone's back and healthy i think they're going to rise above that too much for that to matter as much
0: as i think some fans would like yeah, I, I agree with you. Especially if you know if all their players are healthy and then they're able to be back for the rest of the season, I think that they're going to be too, they're going to be basically like you said, just too good to, to not to not lose that that, that many games. Uh, so now our, my, our second topic, Colin, is let's just you know what do we do with the sample size? The fact that you know basically since December 20, 23rd, around Christmas time, this team has been dealing with players in and out of the lineup because of these health and safety protocols. I remember Dejounte was one of the first players uh, during during December, and then you know it followed with the different players, Lonnie, and then you know and then most recently the, the, the multiple players. So when we look at that time period from november 24th to december 23rd that's a very interesting time frame because that is that is basically after um jacob and and jock landau went into protocols and they finished their protocols and basically the team was healthy for that for that time period you know you know yes there was some injuries for some players but nobody was in, in uh, dealing with with you know health and safety protocols during this stretch of about a month from again from november 24th to december 23rd so how how were the spurs performing during this this time frame they, in 15 games, a 15-game sample size, they went 9-6, and six, so they were playing winning basketball. It was really their offense that really uh, took off during this time frame. They were third on offense, scoring 115.6 points per 100. Again, currently, they're 16th on offense, scoring 109.4 points per 100. And then their defense was about league average during the stretch of 15th, um, allowing 111 points per 100. And then for the season, they are uh, ranked 20th. So the defense is a too too far. It was really that offensive jump. So I guess my question to you, Colin, is, is that right? Right now, you know, since we don't, they haven't got all their players back. Is that who this team can be? That that team that that nine and six team that we saw from November to December. What are your thoughts there? I think it's closer to that than the one and five we just saw. Which I know that was a road trip and there was a good
1: amount of tough opponents in there. Uh, I don't think that this team is a third on offense team. <laughs> you know, I, I think that there isn't like one. Like None of their like lead options are efficient enough scorers that, that it makes me believe that they are third on offense level team. That 15th on defense seems about right, and I feel like they yeah. can maybe even push a little bit higher. But I do think they are closer to that 9-6 and six than they are to the 1-5 uh, and five that we just saw. So I, I do think that that, that is going to be a change. Unfortunately um i I saw in the spurs broadcast yesterday they're gonna be playing a lot of games at home in the back half which is good for them but they have like the fifth hardest remaining schedule and that included that rockets game last night that they lost so it's only going to continue getting harder so it's kind of a mixed bag where they're definitely more talented and they have kind of a better system flowing now but Mm -hmm. they're going to be playing harder opponents than they were for a while there so I, i think that it's it's somewhere in the middle but closer to that nine and
0: six I think that's what's so weird about this team, you know, despite the record that they have and, you know, they're 12th out West is the fact that like, they can just, when when they're healthy, they can go out and beat the, the Warriors. They can go out and beat Utah. It's like, it's just some, some they, they basically compete against Brooklyn the other day. And then, um, that's one thing I wanted to say right there. Is just like it's it's really hard to gauge, you know, where, where uh, you know, how good this team can be at times. But then also, you know, they, they have had. I think this is now their fourth, fourth, four game losing streak. It, it's just it's just almost like a, a very roller coaster ish season. It's almost it's a very unpredictable team, especially uh, when they're all healthy. The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wild card team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wild card weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings daily fantasy football contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And then uh, the, the next topic I, I wanted to, t- to address, uh, just discuss, uh, again, it's a very small sample size is Lonnie Walker, the Ford's play. You know, he was also in health and pr- safety protocols for three games. Then he returned and a lot of the, pl- all of a lot of his teammates were still out. So he got more opportunity here lately. And again, it's a very only, it's only four games in January so far. So it's a very small sample size. I want to continue to reiterate that. Uh, but Lonnie's just been really aggressive, Colin. He's uh he's averaging right now in these last four games, 16 points per game on 15 shots. We've seen him start, um, start a few of these games. He's still launching the, about the same amount of threes, five, point eight threes right now during the stretch he's still not shooting well from three he's making only 26 percent of his threes during this time frame however it's his free throws that have really increased he's gone from 1.9 for the season to 4.3 right now attempts per game um Let's see here. Assists, rebounds are about the same. Turnovers, kind of same thing. Uh, steals and blocks, again, not not too too much. We've seen about he's he's playing about three more minutes. He he averages twenty two point eight minutes for the season. He's at twenty six right now. And when you look at his shot profile again for the season versus these last four games, we really see more aggression type stats here. Where in the paint, his his attempts have increased from thirty three percent of his shots to now forty one percent. In that dunk layup type range uh, on the floor, he's gone up from like 20% of his attempts to 25% of his attempts. Even in the floater range, 13% of his attempts to 16%. His mid-range has also gone up just barely 19% to about 21% of his attempts. And we've seen a decrease in his um, three-point attempts. So... 37% 37% of his shots come from the uh, above the break three during the season. That's dropped down to 28% of his attempts. And then the corner threes um, down by about 2%. And so, again, we could just attribute this to Lonnie being more aggressive right now because a lot of players are out. So he's getting more opportunity um, on both ends right now, getting to be one of the lead ball handlers. But my question to you is: Do you think he can he can kind of keep not, not these exact numbers, but stay more aggressive and attacking, uh, rather than just being more uh, a guy who's going to kind of pick and pop for the team? I mean, not pick and pop, but you know, spot up for the team. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Do you think, when when his teammates come back? So, so that is a good question, and I know that just kind of with some
1: of the other players that the Spurs have on the roster, um, that was I think we actually had a, a podcast after their very first game, and we talked about how. The bench could be a good lineup for Lonnie and Devin Vassell to just run together, and he could be very aggressive with that lineup just because there are so many mouths to feed in the starting lineup. Mm -hmm. Um, I think part of the trouble here is I I, I, I appreciate that kind of aggressiveness, especially when you go from 1.9 free throw attempts per game to 4.3. That was something that you and I had talked quite a bit about on Twitter back and forth. Uh, early in the season, talking about how the Spurs weren't drawing any fouls and how that mm-hmm. was kind of hindering their offense. <laughs> so I do like seeing that number, um, and I, I I think if that aggressiveness can continue, then that helps the Spurs a lot. However, uh, that twenty six percent shooting, um, I'm not sure if if that is a uh, a stat worth getting staying aggressive for. <laughs> um, and, and it is kind of hard when you see that. Um, some of those threes moved to the mid-range area. Um, I do think, you know, hey, he is moving more of his shots to the paint, and that's probably where a lot of those free throws are coming from. So Mm -hmm. I think if he can, like, exercise those mid-range shots out of his game and continue just really driving into the paint and continue drawing those fouls, it could be very good for the Spurs. But can it continue? I think it can continue to bench roll, but I don't know if it can continue um, in the starters when you have – uh, Derek and Dejounte and Keldon all out there trying to like get their own. Um, so so that does make it a little bit harder. But I, I think in terms of a bench score, I think we're seeing what he can do to kind of keep the Spurs afloat because, um, you know, I was looking at the plus minuses earlier, and uh, Dejounte and Yaka lead the Spurs by a county mile, which it has been a long time since the Spurs starters were the positive plus minus and the bench were the negatives here. Um, But if if Lonnie can maintain this aggressiveness and maybe just change his shot distribution a little bit and he can help get the bench a little bit more efficient on offense, then the Spurs could really have something where they have some sort of efficient offense throughout the game instead of just when Jakob and DeJounte are out there.
0: Yeah. So okay. So now that you're t- you, you were just saying that you kind of reminded me more. So it's almost like as as I'm looking at the stats, it's almost reminding me a little bit more of Keldon's game. Where, mm. but but Keldon's actually fixed his problem. His issue was that he was early in the season, he was having trouble making the three, and now Keldon's become one of the better shooters on the team. Whereas Lonnie yeah I think you're right that yeah like he's gonna he's driving more and stuff but um you know there could be an issue there if especially when his teammates come back if he's not making the three because then he's not stretching the defense which means that he's it's, it's getting more congested there inside in the interior so you have a good point there the fact that for the season he's shooting thirty thirty one 31 percent from threes which is not a good number and then even even during this stretch where he's had more games I mean more opportunity uh he's only shooting 26 percent from three so I think that is kind of interesting I mean that's that's something very notable to watch is you know I think he does have to get the three ball that percentage back like we know that he's able to do mm-hmm. because i think that yeah that that could end up being an issue but again maybe in a bench role like you said maybe you know if he's that guy that that the team really looks for for, for scoring immediately and if he's going to be more aggressive and and uh, um you know re- really trying to break down the defense maybe that's what, what the spurs can have here uh with lonnie and our final topic colin uh let's just discuss uh dejounte murray's all-star chances i know that um the nba has now released their, their first two rounds of fan votes um and so Uh, You know, as far as a starter, it doesn't look like Dejounte's going to be a starter. He's not even cracking the top 10 um, for West Guards right now in in the two fan ballots. There's only two more coming out. And the fan voting does end in nine days on, um, I think it's on on uh, yeah, January 22nd, 22nd. So we know that, um, you know, if Dejounte gets into the all Strike, it's going to be mostly by, by uh, on the bench or on the reserves. And so who picks there? It's not the fans. It's the coaches The the, the coaches are the ones who, who picks the se- who picked the seven players for reserves. Um, the reserves are going to be announced on, on February 3rd. And so I'm assuming that, that those players need to be picked before, I guess, by that date, so that only is about two or three more weeks here for, for the, for the coaches to, to determine, uh, who they want as the reserves. Uh, one, 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 um, one, um chance that DeJount that improves DeJounte's chances is that, um, Damian Lillard, unfortunately, is out with an injury, so he's out five to six weeks. Uh, it's the latest reporting from Chris Haynes, so, so that throw, that takes out one guard from the from the Western Conference. And then I just want to go over, um, you know, uh, I was listening to a podcast recently by by Zach Low on the Low Post, and he had a guest, uh, Chris Herring, um, and, and they kind of just gave their early ballots. Again, it wasn't their final ballots, just their early ballots of the guards, I mean, the, the players out West. And so I kind of agreed with, with Zach here and Chris Herring. They basically had 11 locks right now, what it kind of looks like. It's, uh, you know, Steph Curry, lebron james uh um, Jokic, yokich uh uh um, what's his name um uh, mitchell donovan mitchell uh rudy gobert and then um you know off the bench um uh, chris paul devin booker draymond green carl anthony towns john morant and luca and so the, the players to pay attention there who are going to be in the guard rotation are, are curry mitchell paul booker uh john morant and luca Doncic. so that's 11 players total right now uh do you have any disagreements there colin or do you agree with what they said no, no, I think I think those are locks, and
1: and I've kind of I, I listened to that podcast, and I listened mm-hmm. to another All Star Selection podcast by some national writers, and and they had kind of the same eleven locks.
0: So okay, <laughs> definitely, so be, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so so then that, that basically leaves one spot out west. Again, one reserve spot. It could be it could be a guard or a or frontcourt player. And so now, you know, when we talk about the candidates, let's just look at first, like, I, I would consider the playoff-slash-play-in teams, the teams that have more winning records. Uh, and, you know, that's Paul George. The Clippers right now, are, I think, are sixth out west. They don't have anybody right now in the, uh, you know, projected to go to the All-Star game. So I think Paul George would, might be that player. He's averaging 25 points, seven rebounds, six assists, two steals, um, uh, no blocks in 26 games. Um, then, you know, the Lakers, you know, they're not having a great season, but Anthony Davis at least, at least has the numbers. there, are 23 and 10. Uh, he's played in 27 games. The Mavericks again. Luca Luca Doncic has been out here um, for, for a number of games, so they've kind of relied on Kristaps Porzingis. They have him uh, averaging 21 and 8 right now in 26 games. Then we look at the losing teams. These are teams with, with, with bad records. They're not in the playoff range right now. This is where where you start to see Dejounte come in. So Dejounte is averaging 19, eight, nine. Uh, so yeah, 19 points, eight rebounds, nine assists, two um, steals, no blocks in 36 games. Again, I'm just rounding all these numbers. Then you have Brandon Ingram on the Pelicans um, with 23, six, five and one and 32 games and then you have um a shago just alexander of the thunder 22 5 5 and 1 um so what do you think colin do you uh, for for now my, my opinion is that i think they would give the coaches would give that 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 slot to paul george that final spot slot or do you see somebody else getting it
1: well um so paul george is out as well and i saw a report oh, out, okay. yesterday that he actually might end up missing the rest of the season with that elbow injury i think he's the word is that he's tried to rehab it, but mm-hmm. the rehab hasn't gone well, so he may end up getting a surgery instead. So he he might be a scratch from the list, too, which when you look oh, at he him, some... he is the obvious name. But when you take him off, it really actually does kind of become like I, I thought DeJounte was a real long shot. But now that I'm looking at your list, if you take Paul George off, like I don't think he's the favorite out of the five remaining guys. But I
0: actually think, wow, he, he has a real shot to make the all-star team this season. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Okay, so now that you just said that, I actually, yeah, I'm actually, I think that just definitely increased. So I'm doing some quick research. So, yeah, I wasn't even aware of that. So, yeah, so if Paul George is out, then, yeah, that's that definitely puts a, a good chance for DeJounte. And I was also going to say even, even prior, even if Paul George got that 12 spot, I really feel like there's going to be maybe two to three um injury spots. I just feel like whether it's players get hurt or maybe just, you know, somebody gets placed in health and safety protocols like right before the game. I feel like there's this is a really good shot for DeJounte to get into the All-Star game. Um, uh, so, so, so I, yeah, so I think we both agree, right? Like it, it, maybe he's not, it's not certain that he's going to get in, but I think he has a, a good shot, right? You agree there? Oh, I, I definitely agree. I think,
1: you know, if, if I were to make the case for DeJounte, I think sometimes, as a player, you're competing against yourself. So like in Giannis' second season as MVP, he won MVP because he was able to raise his level even higher over his previous MVP season. If he kind of had just remained consistent, voters probably wouldn't have voted for him again because they're kind of comparing what he did in that second MVP season to the first season. And so you look at Anthony Davis, Brandon Ingram, and SGA, who have all... uh, Was Shay an All-Star last year? I feel like he was. I can't remember for sure, though. I feel like uh ad Brandon, ad and brandon ingram definitely were and they're having okay seasons you can look at the numbers and i know brandon mm-hmm. ingram has actually picked it up in recent times but i don't think either one of them are having as strong seasons as when ad was a perennial all-star the, the all-star season that brandon ingram had and i know sga i can't remember if he was an all-star or not last year but no, he, definitely he was I don't having.
0: See, i don't see him as as being on there
1: okay he was definitely having a better season last year though so i, I think The one thing that DeJounte has going for him over everyone on this list is even though when you look at the numbers, they're pretty close. And for someone like Brandon Ingram or uh, Shea, um, the impact is going to be the same as kind of like the guy that's driving the whole thing right now. Mm -hmm. This is DeJounte's best season. And I think when you're looking at a coach and what is a coach going to pick, you know, I think they're going to be leaning to pick someone's best season over someone's off season even if it kind of looks shiny you know i think now now the question comes down to how much effort do coaches really put into this you know you i've heard yeah. the stories that some coaches just hand it off to their assistants and say figure it out i don't care and and the assistants might be like hey i have to scout for you know the warriors tonight i'm just going to put down ad and not think too hard about it so <laughs> you know exactly yeah like i i actually think now that i'm looking at this I I don't think he's the favorite, but he might be the second or third out of these five to get the 12th spot. But because of that, I do think there's a real tangible chance he makes the all-star team this year as an injury reserve. So that was something I hadn't even thought of before either when you were saying that. So I actually think there's a pretty good chance that the Spurs do have an all-star this season, which is pretty amazing considering um, their roster and kind of
0: how they've played for parts of the season. Yeah, no, I I agree with you again. So like, I, I guess I would say that as well, just kind of like you, like, like I don't think he's the favorite for that 12th spot, but I do see like if there's an injury replacement spot available, I think he he's the favorite now in and, and that. Is, especially what you just said with Paul George, I mean that's that's definitely right there with with, with Paul George with Damian Lillard out, um, that that definitely opens up a spot right now uh, um, for for for, for, De, for Dejounte. So again, you know this, yeah, like you said, Colin, maybe this is the year where the Spurs finally get an All Star back they haven't had. Uh, a player on on the, on the team for for a while, and, and it's it's interesting because a lot of the the broadcasts you've been listening to, you know, they keep saying you know he's probably not going to get in the All Star game because mm-hmm. the Spurs have a losing record. But with so many players are out, I mean, I think that they, yeah, you have to look at, at a player like Murray. Um, and you know, all the coaches say basically that's that's the player that, that they're that they whenever they play the Spurs, that's the player that they're trying to stop. And you can tell by the defensive matchups. I like to look at those after every game, and you always see that Dejounte always has the best defender guarding him from from the opposing team. The best wing defender is always on on Dejounte. It's not always necessarily a point guard. Um, all right, so so that kind of wraps up this episode of SpursCast. Um, don't forget to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Um, SpursCast listeners, um, uh, Stephen, all- Stephen Michael continues to uh, keep, keep you informed on how the team is doing with this game-by-game analysis. Um, you know, With the draft coming up in a few months, Benjamin Bornstein continues to scout different um, college prospects. And then uh, our weekly preview series by Rocky Garza Jr. Uh, continues to come out each at the, at the beginning of each week for the Spurs. So thanks to Colin for joining me here on the Spurs cast. And also thanks to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.